0: Are you feeling a bit tired these days? Perhaps you're having trouble sleeping. A whole lot of people are. Dr. Joe Espiritu may be able to help. He's a professor in the Department of Internal Medicine at St. Louis University School of Medicine, and he specializes in diseases of the respiratory tract. Most importantly for our purposes, he's the director of the SLU Care Sleep Disorders Center, and he's here to offer some advice and also take your questions. So, Dr. Espiritu, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Glad to be here.
0: So many people seem to be complaining about sleeping badly these days. Does that surprise you?
1: Uh, No, it doesn't because uh, of the ongoing pandemic, a lot of uh, uh, deaths happening, a lot of illnesses. Maybe some of our viewers or listeners uh, know someone or somebody who has been uh, ill uh, of of the disease and all of us are worried. So worry and anxiety could uh, help uh, uh, disrupt sleep and uh, could disrupt sleep and promote problems uh, such as insomnia.
0: Are you seeing an increase in people seeking help for these sort of problems?
1: Uh, our our sleep Care Sleep Disorder Center right now is uh, closed uh, for face-to-face visits. But we do uh, see patients through telemedicine. And there, has, there have been a few patients who have seen us uh, for problems with insomnia. Mm-hmm. Luckily, most of my uh, o- older patients uh, who, who have I seen for insomnia they've been practicing good sleep behavioral uh, uh, habits as well as taking their medications and and hopefully uh, this will help limit the the surge of insomnia here in our region. Mm -hmm.
0: And I want to talk to you about those good sleep habits here in a moment. I know um, from personal experience there's some things that that we can do at home that can really make a huge difference but bigger picture is there a difference between this kind of situational sleep disorder where everybody's just so worried about this one thing that probably makes sense to worry about and something that's a more serious problem where where people can't sleep and maybe they do need to come in and, and do a sleep study.
1: Now, it depends on uh, the patient's reaction. Right now, this pandemic is unprecedented for most of us. The last pandemic that we had was the Spanish flu back in 1918. However, we've got some experiences with previous disasters, such as the earthquake in East Japan, the Fukushima earthquake and tsunami. Uh, We have the 9-11, of course, attacks, as well as the Hurricane Katrina uh, 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 disaster in New Orleans. So we've got some experience regarding sleep disruption during uh, certain disasters, and we might be able to extrapolate from those experiences.
0: And what did we learn um, from those? Is there a sense that this could all go away if if the bigger picture problem goes away?
1: Oh, that's true. So uh, we call insomnia or trouble sleeping from a certain uh, limited limited uh, stressor, like for example an examination or an illness or a change in uh, job situation. After the stressor goes away and things get better, usually the, the insomnia improves. It's the same thing for disasters. There have been studies in East Japan that show that uh, the initial uh, incidence and prevalence of insomnia is Pretty high, maybe up to 30 to 50% in those affected by the disaster. But after maybe two and a half years, the prevalence drops down to around maybe 5.6% for chronic insomnia. So there is improvement over time. However, in a small percentage of people, Uh, the the insomnia or trouble sleeping could persist even after 10 to 16 years Mm. after the disaster.
0: Oh, that's kind of a downer to think about. Um, But for some of us, uh, this may be a temporary thing. I'm going to choose to look on the bright side today. Uh, It's certainly interesting research. And if you have a question for Dr. Espiritu related to your own sleep or about sleep in general, we do want to encourage you to join our conversation. And even if maybe you just have a tip that let you get better sleep. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. I do want to go to the phone lines. We actually have someone who is already eager to uh, to get your advice, Dr. Espiritu. So I'm going to uh, go to Eric. He's calling from St. Louis. Hi, Eric. You're on St. Louis on the air.
2: Hey, hey thanks for taking my call. And um, just by way of prelude, I will say I went through a traumatic episode, and it took me like six years before I was able to get back to normal sleep. But even since that time, I—this is my question—which um, is that I know I, I know we go through like four sleep cycles a night, where you go through alternate between deep sleep and different kinds of sleep, and then there's a light period of transition. I think where you almost kind of wake up, and then you go. And you drift back in. And I, go, I think on the, the, the third or fourth time around, when that, in that light sleep transition, I tend to wake up a lot. And then sometimes I can go back to sleep, but sometimes I can, just can't. So for the last two hours of my night, I'm just tossing and turning. That happened yesterday. Mm. Is there any advice short of taking ta- chamomile tea?
0: Um Eric, oh, that, that's uh, a great question. And Dr. Espiritu, that seems to be the most common thing I'm hearing from people, that they can still fall asleep at night, but they're waking up midway through the night and then can't get back to sleep. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Sure. Thanks, Eric, for that question. Uh, First of all, uh, you're correct. There are at least uh, four stages of sleep. You've got stage one, which is the shallow transitional stage that lasts around maybe five to ten minutes. Then you've got stage two or middle sleep. Middle sleep lasts around 50 percent. So it's the majority of our sleep. Then you've got deep sleep, also known as slow-wave sleep, stage 3. That's when it's hard for us to wake up. So you could have like, like a tornado outside and you might sleep through it. And then we've got what we call REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, uh, which is what we know as dream sleep. And both deep sleep and dream sleep c- consists of around maybe 20 to 25% of our sleep. Now, uh, we do go through around four, maybe five uh, sleep cycles during the night, uh, depending on how long you sleep. The normal total sleep sleep time is around seven and a half hours on average. Uh, Now, your question was, uh, why is it uh, 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 difficult to stay asleep later on in in the night? And there are two reasons why. Uh, First is, uh, there are two processes that determine whether uh, you you should be awake or you should be asleep. One process is what we call the homeostatic process. The homeostatic process is uh, dependent upon how long you've been awake and how long you've been asleep. Uh, So, for for example, uh, when you wake up in the morning and you've had seven hours of sleep, your propensity or tendency to fall asleep should be at its lowest. But as the day goes by and you stay awake, uh, you become sleepier and it peaks right before you go to bed. The other process is the circadian rhythm process. The circadian rhythm is sort of like the innate clock that determines how sleepy or alert we are. So we're supposed to be sleepier at night and uh, more alert during the day. Now, in this case, early in the morning, uh, you've already gotten your six or maybe six and a half hours of sleep. So so. The, the homeostatic process is not there anymore to make you sleepy. It, it, uh, it's your circadian rhythm process that, that uh, wakes you up because early in the morning, two hours before you wake up, your alerting process starts to ramp up right before you wake up. So that, that's one reason. Those are the two reasons why it's harder to fall back to sleep uh, 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 after you've gotten a few hours of sleep already.
0: Dr. Espiritu, any tips for Eric on if he's trying to fall back asleep um, You know, mm-hmm. when it's sort of in the middle of the night? What should we mm-hmm. do?
1: Uh, first, uh, we want to make sure that there are no other reasons uh, uh, like that, that might uh, precipitate the early morning awakening. Some people have d- depression, so uh, de- uh, early morning awakening is a symptom of depression. I'm not saying Eric has that, but that's one thing that you have to look at. Another is uh, substances. Uh, Some folks uh, who drink alcohol uh, maybe every night, uh, uh, the alcohol is is a sedative, but it only lasts for maybe one or two hours in your system. And as the levels in your body drop, you could have uh, awakenings that could happen later on uh, during your sleep. Uh, another reason might be uh, sometimes people may be sleeping longer than they should. Most people need seven 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 and a half hours of sleep, but others may need a little bit less and a little bit more. So, so a, a, a sleep diary would help uh, uh, Eric or anyone to figure out what their optimal uh, uh, total sleep time should be in terms of how they feel uh, during the daytime. So... And so and for people who really have trouble uh, staying asleep, then sometimes uh, relaxation techniques uh, might help uh, uh, or uh, there's certain what we call sleep behavioral therapies that you could use to help fix uh, the, the sort of like the learned, behavior, learned negative behavior. Uh, uh, when you wake up in the middle of the night. so And we can talk about those behavioral techniques later on.
0: Okay. Um, Eric, I did want to ask you one follow-up question, and that is you mentioned that after some past trauma, it took you about six years to get back onto a regular cycle. And again, I'm just hoping that won't be the case for everybody suffering right now. Did you end up seeking professional help at that point, or was it something that resolved itself on its own?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. It's kind of a long story that I couldn't possibly even begin to go into. But I will say that at some point, I actually wrote an article that was published nationwide. It got actually international attention. Wow. And uh, it it was very cathartic for me because it involved, it was a situation that was never properly resolved. And it it was sort of a semi-public humiliation where a gross injustice was done. And it involved my family being scapegoated for something that we had very little to do with. And just writing about it and getting all the people saying, you know what, I've gone through something like that before. It was just so cathartic, and that was really what... That's what really changed it for me.
0: So dealing with the trauma, um, this this situation that had been festering, that's what allowed you to go back to getting a good night's sleep. Well, yeah, that's congratulations. I'm I'm really happy you were able to get to that point and and happy to hear that good resolution. And hopefully for all of us, getting a resolution to this pandemic will help solve some of our problems. So, Eric, thank you so much for that. You're welcome. I do want to go back to the phone lines. Um, Cheryl is calling from St. Louis. Um, Cheryl, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hello, Cheryl? Hello? Yes, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air.
2: Yes, um, I was calling because I have sleep apnea and I've had it for over 20 years and I've been treated with a CPAP machine, but lately I found that the only way I can really sleep, at least get some sleep, is to take melatonin as well as two extra strength tylenols before I go to bed. Hmm. And I don't know if that's okay. Um, and I still often wake up feeling sleepy, but I wonder if that's an okay thing to do.
0: That's a great question. Uh, Dr. Espiritu?
1: Sure. Uh, thanks, Cheryl, for that question. And I'm glad you're trying to use your CPAP every night. Uh, f- in terms of waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to go back to sleep, the use of over-the-counter medications uh, ha- uh, has, not, uh, has not been proven to be effective long-term in treating insomnia. However, for example, the Tylenol, if you're having uh, pain, perhaps from arthritis or some other reason, uh, it might help ease the pain and help you uh, go go back to sleep. But make sure that, of course, uh, your liver function is normal and you don't mix your Tylenol with other uh, substances substances that could affect the liver. In terms of melatonin, melatonin has been uh, found to be useful for, for patients with what we call circadian rhythm sleep disorders uh, circadian rhythm rhythm sleep disorders refer to those problems with your internal clock so for example jet people with jet lag uh, when they go to a new time zone they have trouble sleeping taking melatonin uh, could help help them fall asleep however melatonin has not, has not been shown to be effective in treating insomnia unfortunately However, uh, in your case, it might be working in terms of uh, its placebo effect. And another reason it might be that it might be setting you up uh, for your sleep. Some folks, uh, when they're exposed to bright light in the evening and they're not secreting melatonin because of the bright light, taking a melatonin supplement is, is probably not that harmful. Uh, and one more thing, melatonin is, is in itself is probably not that uh, dangerous, especially in younger individuals. However, if you're maybe 65 years and older on other medications, it may have a sedating effect. So, so just be careful if you're a little bit o- older.
0: Mm. Cheryl, thank you so much for that question. Uh, we're talking today to Dr. Joe Espiritu. He's the director of the SLU Care Sleep Disorders Center. Um, he's answering all your questions about sleep, doing an awesome job with it. And we'd like to encourage you, if, if you have uh, questions for him, you can give us a call. That's 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90 point.
2: Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.
0: And now back to our conversation. We're talking to Dr. Joe Espiritu. He's the director of the SLU Care Sleep Disorders Center, and he is taking your calls. And we have so many people who are eager to talk to him today. It it really um, makes me believe that this pandemic is affecting so many of our sleep. And and I hope for all of you listening um, that you'll just hang in there because I know how terrible it is to be sleep deprived. I'm going to go to the phone lines. David is calling from St. Louis. Um, David, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air.
2: Hi. Um I take Ambien every night to go to sleep and mm-hmm. have been for like ten years. Um what what is what do you think of the effects of that?
0: That is a great question. Doctor Espiritu, how do you feel about Ambien?
1: Oh, Ambien, uh, it's one of the most prescribed medications for insomnia, and in fact, it's actually a specific and FDA-approved for insomnia. It's been uh, available for maybe at least almost 20 years. Uh, insomnia is pretty much, uh, 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 it's very specific in its action. Unlike the older sedative hypnotics or sleeping pills, uh, like what we call the benzodiazepines, the older benzodiazepines, they're not only uh, sleeping Pills, but they're also sedatives and anti-anxiety medications. So the older medications like Xanax, uh, Alprazolam, etc., had more uh, side effects in terms of sedation, drowsiness, etc. This uh, uh, there's also a higher risk for uh, dependence on those older benzodiazepines. But the, with these newer uh, uh, medications, what we call the Z drugs, uh, like uh, Ambien, or Zaleplon, Sonata. Uh, the, the, the actions are more specific on the receptors, so the risk of uh, dependence uh, and the risk of uh, other sedative side effects is probably much, are probably much less than the, the older benzodiazepines. However, of course, there's this risk of what we call abnormal sleep behaviors during, uh, uh, at night. Uh, one example is sleep eating. Around 5% of patients who take Ambien actually may uh, eat during their sleep. So they'll sleepwalk. They'll go to either the kitchen or the refrigerator, eat something strange. Uh, Some people have been known to even cook and eat. And that happens in around 5% of patients who take Ambien. Ambien Dr. Espertu, are you worried at all
0: about the the 10 years of use? Um, David says he's been taking it every night for a long time.
1: Well, uh, uh, it's good to to discuss the risk and benefits of taking medications uh, long-term, sleeping pills or other medications. However, I've had patients who've been on uh, zolpidem for more than uh, uh, two years, maybe five to ten years, and I have not seen uh, major side effects in the majority of them. Mm. So it's important that you get monitored uh, by your uh, prescribing physician uh, uh, of the side effects, and you have to have a risk and benefit discussion. Uh, uh, Sleeping well versus the side effects of the medication.
0: Mm, That makes sense. David, thank you for that question, and and I hope you'll be okay going forward. Let's go back to the phone lines. Brenda is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Brenda, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Um, Doctor, I was assaulted regularly at night when I was 11, 12, and 13 years old. I'm now 76 years old, and I have always had sleep problems, but it's gotten a lot worse with
2: recent problem that we're having.
0: And um, I've always been, I've taken usually trazodone and melatonin and um, sometimes Benadryl at night to help me sleep or stay asleep, and that's not doing it. And I'm wondering, is there, is there anything I can do that would put me back into my more normal weirdness with sleep? <laughs> sure. Brenda, I'm so sorry sure. to hear about those problems. Yeah. Uh, Dr. too.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, too, and I hope that that, uh, you've gotten therapy for the the assault. A lot of people, uh, after a certain trauma, assault, disasters, they develop uh, post-traumatic stress disorders. And one major symptom of a post-traumatic stress disorder is insomnia. And it's important that you, you get therapy for that. You have to see a, a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist to help help you cope with with the trauma. Uh, in terms of uh, the medications that medications that you mentioned, uh, the trazodone, Benadryl, and melatonin. Uh, those are not really uh, FDA-approved for uh, uh, chronic insomnia. Uh, Trazodone is actually an antidepressant, but since it's sedating, uh, physicians uh, prescribe Trazodone uh, uh, as a sleeping pill. It's the most prescribed uh, pill for, for insomnia, but it's not approved for it. I already, dis- I already discussed melatonin earlier. It doesn't really work. And Benadryl, uh, it's, a, it's a sedating antihistamine or anti-allergy medication. It may work for maybe two or three days because it's got that sedating side effect, but most people uh, get used to it. In your case, I would advise that you see a sleep physician and or a psychiatrist to help you deal with the, uh, the trauma that you went through. The sleep physician could help discuss behavioral therapies for you as well as perhaps sleep medications. One useful uh, medication that we've we found in patients with post-traumatic uh, stress disorder is, uh, is prazosin, uh, especially if you've got nightmares from the trauma. So, mm-hmm. so these are some of the things that you have to uh, be evaluated for.
0: Um, well, that was some great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Esperitu, and, and thank you for that question, mm-hmm. Brenda. I hope you'll be able to find a, a way to get some good sleep here. Um, Tracy is calling from South City. Tracy, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air.
2: Hello, thank you so much for taking my call and for presenting this topic. I
0: was just wondering if there have been any studies regarding Wi-Fi um, being on in the in the home while you're trying to sleep, or any other electromagnetic waves, you know, the rate of uh, the clock, you know, or or Wi-Fi. Hmm. Boy, that's something I've I've never even thought about. Doctor Espiritu, is is that something that's been studied?
1: No, I haven't seen any studies on the effect of Wi-Fi on sleep. However, those uh, devices that are connected to your Wi-Fi, your computer, tablet, your smartphones, those uh, are the major culprits for uh, uh, bad sleep hygiene and insomnia in some folks. So make sure that make sure that you don't use your computer tablets or Wi-Fi devices in the bedroom, especially near your bedtime. Hmm.
0: One of the other things that we've heard a lot of questions about, we all know that alcohol does a number on our sleep. You wake up in the middle of the night feeling shame for all the, the terrible things you said before when you were drinking. Do we know how marijuana affects sleep? Does that have similar problems?
1: Yeah, uh, marijuana has been uh, touted by a lot of people to be natural, herbal, helps people relax. Uh, the truth is there are very few, if any, uh, good randomized controlled studies uh, to show efficacy of marijuana in, in, in specific medical conditions. However, I'm not a marijuana expert. But what we know about marijuana in sleep is that uh, marijuana could cause uh, symptoms similar to narcolepsy, so it 's been reported and have, we've had patients who were who had narcolepsy like symptoms and findings on their sleep study so they'll uh, they 'll feel more sleepy they 'll have sleep attacks they 'll have uh, more hallucinations as they fall, fall asleep they may have more nightmares so it's important to be careful when you use uh, marijuana, uh, especially if you 're using it for non medicinal purposes
0: hmm. we've heard a lot about dreams we actually got a voice mail from a man who identified himself as a student and teacher at the School of Metaphysics branch in Maplewood. Um, Let's listen to, uh, he had uh, some thoughts and some questions about how dreams might affect our sleep.
2: Whenever I had trouble sleeping, I really couldn't find a safe remedy that wasn't medicinal or that didn't include things that
0: weren't really healthy. And so even When I did use those kinds of over-the-counter personal types of remedies, it didn't
2: work anywhere near as great as it did when I learned how to interpret my dreams. My sleep got a lot better. I actually started to sleep like a rock. Understanding your dream is like opening a letter that has been sent to you by one of your very best friends,
0: which is your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind has a lot of information and opportunity that the awake conscious mind doesn't understand and that was from a listener who identified himself as a student and teacher at the School of Metaphysics in Maplewood. He noted that that nonprofit organization um, has a Dream Awareness Hotline. It's transitioning to Zoom. They'll be interpreting dreams from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. tomorrow. If people are if people are interested in that, for more information, you can email them at Maplewood at som, that's S-O-M dot org. Um, Dr. Espiritu, do you see any link between dream interpretation
1: and better sleep? Uh, Dream interpretation is one of those uh, uh, areas of uh, science or medicine that that have not gone mainstream yet. Uh, In Japan, uh, there's this uh, attempt to try to... uh, Associate uh, uh, certain patterns on your brain waves on the EEG electroencephalogram with your dreams. So what they do is they'll record your brain waves and then wake you up and ask you what were you dreaming about. Hmm. And and based on that, they want to have a database of, of uh, dreams versus what kind of waveforms you'll find. But that's probably still an early uh, area of research, and uh, uh, and the dream interpretation hasn't gone mainstream yet as of now.
0: Uh, Christina on our Facebook page writes five out of seven nights a week of self-containment were becoming a Friday. I stopped imbibing two weeks ago and cut off screen screen time at 10. I also try to do a daily guided meditation for anxiety. I have slept seven to eight hours every night since then. I plan on working cocktails back in with moderation after this weekend with the hope that I'll remember how good it feels to go to bed at a reasonable time and wake up rested. So Christina has found some good practices there. We promised we would talk about some good sleep habits Dr. Espiritu, what are some other steps that we can take or even some steps that she mentioned that you'd want to highlight that are important for people who are just trying to sleep better?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Christina has uh, t- uh, tried to uh, wean, uh, has weaned off from her from her drinks. It also depends on how much you're drinking. If you're drinking heavily, you're not supposed to abruptly stop drinking, or otherwise you'll have withdrawal symptoms, and that could be uh, dangerous and even lethal. Uh, perhaps uh, enrolling if you have a drinking pro- if not not Christina, but if people have drinking problems, uh, they should consider uh, alcohol rehab. The European uh, Uh, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia Academy actually published uh, certain guidelines to help people through this COVID pandemic. And most of the guidelines include things that are actually being uh, uh, practiced by mostly physicians right now. Uh, One of them, for example, is keeping a regular bedtime and uh, wake time, uh, not varying your wake times by more than an hour, Uh, taking 15-minute breaks throughout the day to list down your worries uh, instead of watching, uh, for example, CNN or other uh, networks, looking at the tally of the number of deaths or cases, perhaps take a break and spend 15 minutes writing down your worries and and, uh, and uh, reflecting. Another is uh, making sure that you've got uh, uh, regular good, uh, getting social support. There are actually a few studies in in China, three studies sh- that show that insomnia could occur in around 34 uh, percent of of uh, for example example, healthcare providers uh, Mm. uh, who took care of COVID-19 patients. But what helped them out was having social capital or social support. Having somebody that you trust participating in the community, uh, not not physically, but at least in the community, having somebody that uh, would support support you emotionally could help reduce stress and anxiety. Exercise is one thing that uh, a lot of people should do during this pandemic. Uh, The recommendation uh, uh, is around 150 minutes uh, a week. So maybe 30 minutes, five days a week of exercise in your house or maybe in your backyard, uh, of, of avoiding substances—not only alcohol, but for example, recreational substances, uh, even a lot of coffee or sedatives. Those uh, those could could uh, uh, withdrawal from those medications could av- adversely affect your your sleep. I do have a very uh, if,
0: specific question about sure. caffeine, if if it's OK to mm-hmm. jump in here. And that is oh, yes, I, we've heard from a number of people who cut it out entirely and, and saw good effects. For some of us, that may not be possible. Um, at what time in the day is it important to stop drinking uh, amounts of caffeine if you
1: want to sleep well at night? Uh, For people who who may be sensitive to the effects of caffeine, it's important not to drink maybe six to eight hours before your bedtime. So Mm -hmm. uh, maybe around noon, two o'clock in the afternoon, perhaps, you should probably think about uh, drinking your last cup. Also, the amount of caffeine that we drink accounts. So one or two cups probably won't hurt, but drinking six, eight, 12 cups might might affect a lot of people. Uh,
0: yes, that does sound like quite a bit. Hopefully nobody's up there at 12 cups. Um, mm-hmm, and in mm-hmm. terms of screens, um, I found personally that just getting the television out of the bedroom has been huge for me. Is that something that's psychological or is there actually a, a meta, a, a body reason for that?
1: no no actually uh, that's uh, part of what we call stimulus control therapy uh, it's a uh, proven behavioral therapy uh, for patients with chronic insomnia so what we do is we change uh, our association uh, as associates with the bedroom the bedroom should be a place of rest rec- rest uh, sleep and refuge so you should not do things in your bedroom that are not conducive for sleep. So no, no uh, reading, watching TV, using your computer tablets. Uh, you only have, should go to bed only when you're actually sleeping or having sex and nothing else. Hmm. You can do your taxes and read in the living room or somewhere else.
0: I want to go back to the phone lines. Uh, Savannah is calling from Rala. Uh, Savannah, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Um, I was calling to actually ask about an opposite problem That I have, um, I mean, I've managed to reel in my bedtime, but I do have issues waking up. And Mm. it doesn't matter what time I go to bed. It's just when it comes to waking up to that alarm, I cannot get myself up. I was just wondering about what that is. (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, Dr. Espiritu, any thoughts on that?
1: Sure. uh, Savannah, may I know how old you are, please? Or at least the range. (laughs) Uh, What decade (laughs) of life... uh I'm 26. 26, so you're younger. So uh, as a young person, a young woman, uh, you should be evaluated for causes of of excessive daytime sleepiness or trouble waking up, uh, for example, in the morning. Uh, Trouble waking up in the morning is what we call sleep inertia. And it's probably more common in uh, younger individuals. Uh, Younger individuals, sometimes their circadian rhythm is shifted later. What does that mean? So instead of going to bed at 10 p.m. and waking up at 6, their clocks are shifted maybe two hours or later. So they can't fall asleep before 2 o'clock or can't wake up before 10 or so. So so that's one possibility. So uh, recording your... Your uh, uh, sleep schedule on a sleep diary would be helpful in finding out what your circadian rhythm is. Uh, There's a certain questionnaire that we use at at the sleep lab. It's called the morningness and eveningness questionnaire. And it tells uh, tells us whether the patient is a morning person or evening person or uh, somewhere in between. Uh, another reason in younger individuals is uh, the use of the, uh, the, maybe make sure that th- there, there are no medications involved. So if you're taking a sedating medication, uh, some people take blood pressure medications that might make you feel sleepy. And uh, another possibility, is, of course, is uh, uh, obstructive sleep apnea, uh, although Although it's um, um, uncommon in younger women, it could still occur. So if you snore, if, you, uh, if your bed partner thinks that you stop breathing at night, then you should be evalu- evaluated for sleep apnea. And another thing is narcolepsy. Some people have younger individuals in, uh, when they're teenagers or in their 20s, uh, may be at risk for narcolepsy. And there are certain clinical features associated with it. And, and if you have those features, you should, be, you should have a sleep study and a nap study uh, to, to diagnose it.
0: Okay. Well, um, there's a lot to think about there. And and Savannah, thank you for that call. And Dr. Espiritu, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We had a wide range of questions here and I got to say you were on top of all of them. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you for much, so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure.
0: And uh, that's Dr. Joe Espiritu. He's the director of SLU Care Sleep Disorders Center. And if you have a more serious sleep problem, that might be a great place to go check it out. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.